Welcome into the podcast, everyone. I'm William, your host. This is Spooky Hours, a podcast where I talk about paranormal things. Um, Today we will be continuing on with our cryptids and paranormal creatures, and today we will be going over the Wendigo. Now, first, before I start, I think I'm going to start doing this before the start of every story and I'm going to read off an inspirational quote from inspirobot.me every day so this one is actually perfect for the podcast and this quote says You must always be more sinister. So that is start of a new thing I'm doing now because I got this from a TikTok, a TikToker that I found um, who had a three-part series where he would read in, uh, he would read AI gen- generated inspirational quotes. So that was my AI generated inspirational quote for the day. Um, I might throw in another one right at the end, or I might go back to the original, the one I just did. Who knows? So, yes. Today we will be doing the story of the Wendigo. Now, the Wendigo, um, for the information I do know, is that the Wendigo is a ancient, you know, I believe it was, it is a, um, Native American legend, again, um, yes, it is a Native American legend, like most of the story um creatures that we have gone over so far in this podcast it has been native american based um not based um origins and so that's not really going to change for now who knows what might happen we did um the rugaroo from louisiana we did the skinwalkers from around the four corners area and we did hear a story from europe about skinwalkers which i honestly thought was very interesting because i had no clue that skinwalkers had got went out that far but you never know where these creatures might be so let's get into it in the north woods of Minnesota, the forests of great, the Great Lake region and the central regions of Canada is said to live a malevolent being called the Wendigo. This creature may appear as a monster with some characteristics of a human or as a spirit who has possessed a human, human being and made them become monstrous. It is historically, historically associated with cannibalism, murder, insatiable greed and the culture taboos against such behaviors known as known by known by several names i didn't pause there my bad 
um, Wendigo, Wittigo, Witko, Wittico, and Weetigo. Each each of them roughly translates to the evil spirit that devours mankind. The this creature has long been known among the Anglican Ojibwe. I definitely said that wrong. Eastern Cree, Salutex, West Main, Swampy Cree, Naskapi, Naskapi, and the Inu peoples who have described them as giants, as giants many times larger than human beings. Although descriptions can vary somewhat, common to all these cultures is the view that the Wendigo is a malevolent, cannibalistic, supernatural being that is strongly associated with winter, the north, coldness, famine, and starvation. The Anglican creature, the Anglican legend describes the creature as a giant with a heart of ice. Sometimes it is thought to be entire, entirely made of ice. Its body is skeletal and deformed without, with missing lips and toes. The Ojibwa describe it. It was lar- a large creature, as tall as a tree, with, lip-lit- with a lipless mouth and jagged teeth. Its breath was a strange hiss, its footprints full of blood, and it ate any man, woman, or child who ventured into its territory. And those were luck- the lucky ones. Sometimes the Wendigo chose to possess a person instead, and the luckiness, the luckless individual became a Wendigo himself, hunting down those he had once loved and feasting upon their flesh. According to the legends, a Wendigo is created whenever a human resorts to cannibalism to survive. In the past, this occurred more often when Indians and settlers found themselves strained in the bitter snows and ice of the north woods. Sometimes stranded for days, any survivors might have felt compelled to cannibalize the dead or in order to uh, dead in order to survive. Other versions of the legend cite that humans who displayed extreme greed, gluttony, and excess excess might also be possessed by a Wendigo. Thus the myth served as a method of encouraging cooperation and moderation. Native American versions of the creature spoke of a gigantic spirit over 15 feet tall that had once been human but had been transformed into a creature by the use of magic. Though all of these descriptions of the creature vary slightly, the Wendigo is generally said to have glowing eyes, long yellowed fangs, terrible claws, and overly long tongues. Sometimes they are described as having shallow yellowish skin and other times depicted to be covered with matted hair. The creature is said to have a number of skills and powers including stealth, is a near perfect hunter, knows and uses every inch of its territory, and can control the weather through the use of dark magic. They are also portrayed as simultaneously gluttonous and emaciated from starvation. Wendigos are said to be cursed to wander the land eternally seeking to fulfill 
to fulfill their voracious appetite for human flesh, and if there is nothing left to eat, it starves to death. The legend lends its name to the disputed modern medical term Wendigo psychosis, which is considered by some psychiatrists to be a syndrome that creates an intense craving for human flesh and a fear of becoming a cannibal. Ironically, this psychosis is said to occur within people living around the greater lakes of Canada and the United States. Wendigo psychosis is usually develops in the winter in individuals who are isolated by heavy snow for long periods. Ow. The initial symptoms are poor appetite, nausea, and vomiting. Subsequently, the individual develops a del delusion of being transformed into a Wendigo monster. People who have Wendigo psychosis increasingly see others around them being edible. At the same time, they have an exaggerated fear of becoming cannibals. The most common response when a person showed signs of Wendigo psychosis was, curing, was a curing attempt by traditional native healers. In cases of the past, if these attempts failed and if the possessed person began either to threaten those around them to act violently or antisocially, they were executed. There have been reports regarding this psychosis dating back hundreds of years. A 1661 Jesuit relations document stated, What caused us greater concern was the intelligence that met us upon entering the lake, namely that the men deputed our conductor for the purpose of summoning the na nations to the North Sea, and assigning them a rendezvous where they were to await our coming and had met their death the previous winter in a very strange manner. Those poor men, according to the report given us, were seized with an ailment known to us, unknown to us, my bad, but not very unusual among the people we were seeking. They are afflicted with neither lancy, lunacy, hypochondria, nor frenzy, but have a combination of all these species of diseases, which affects their imaginations and causes them a more than canine hunger. This makes them so ravenous for human flesh that they pounce upon women, children, and even upon men, like vertebral werewolves, and devour them miraculously. Without being able to appease or glut their appetite, ever seeking fresh prey, and the more greedily, the more they eat. This ailment attacked our deputies, and as death is the sole remedy among these simple people for checking such acts of murder, they were slain in order to stay the course of their madness. Another document occurred in 1878 when a Plains Cree trapper from Alberta named Swift Runner 
suffered one of the worst cases known. A swift runner was a trader with the Hudson Bay Company who was married and the father of six children. In 1875, he served as a guide for the Northwest Mounted Police. During the winter of 1878 through 1879, Swift Runner and his family were starving along with numerous other Cree families. His eldest son was the first to die of starvation, and at some point, Swift Runner succumbed to, the win to Wendigo psychosis. Though emergency food supplies were available at Hudson's Bay Company post some 25 miles away, he did not attempt to travel there. Rather, he killed the remaining members of his family and consumed them. He eventually confessed and was executed by authorities at Fort Saskatchewan. A Wendigo allegedly made no a number of appearances near a town called Russo in North Minnesota from the late 1800s to the 1920s. Each time that it was reported, an unexpected death followed and, it and finally it was seen no more. Another well-known case involving Wendigo psychosis was that of Jack Fiddler, an Oji Cree, I am sorry, I know I'm butchering that name, chef and medicine man known for his powers at def defeating Wendigos. Fiddler claimed to have defeated 14 Wendigos during his lifetime. Some of the, these creatures were said to have been sent by enemy shamans and others were members of his own band who had been taken with the insatiable, incurable desire to eat human flesh. In the later, latter case, Fiddler was usually asked by family members to kill a very sick loved one before they turned Wendigo. Fiddler's own brother, Pete Fillet, Flett, was killed after turning Wendigo when the food ran out on a trading expedition. Hudson's Bay, Hudson's Bay Company traders, the Cree, and missionaries were well aware of the Wendigo legend, though they often explained it as mental illness or superstition. Regardless, several incidents of people turning Wendigo and eating human flesh are documented, documented in the records of the company. In 1907, Fiddler and his brother Joseph were arrested by the Canadian authorities for murder. Jack committed suicide, but Joseph was tried and sentenced to life in prison. He ultimate, ultimately was gra granted a pardon, but died three days later in jail before receiving the news of his pardon. Am among the Assamboine, the Cree, and the o Ojibwe, a satirical ceremonial dance is sometimes performed during times of famine to reinforce the seriousness of the Wendigo taboo. The frequency of Wendigo psychosis cases decreased sharply in the 20th century as the Native Americans came into greater and greater contact with Western indigenous. However, the Wendigo culture sightings creature sightings are still reported especially in northern ontario near the cave of the wendigo and around the town of kenora where it has allegedly been stopped spotted by traders trackers and trappers for decades there are many who still believe that the wendigo roams the woods and the prairies of northern minnesota and canada 
Kenora, Ontario, Canada has been given the title of Wendigo, the Wendigo capital of the world by many. Sightings of the creature in this area have continued well into the new millennium. So this is, once again, from podcast favorite of where I get the most of my... Well, so far where I've gotten all of my information on these paranormal creatures and legends, this is from Legends of America. Um, it's So if you go on to legendsofamerica.com slash mn-windigo um, slash, um, just normal slash, not backslash, um, you will find this here. Alright, so I do have some stories for today of course always as I normally do and once again they are coming from our no sleep and once again it's my favorite place to get spooky stories from it's really nice source of people who believe in paranormal and the supernatural and things like that so I will be reading those stories that I found today. Alrighty guys, let's get into the stories. And as per usual, these stories will be coming from um are no sleep my bad that took me a second to remember where I get most of my stories from alright so this first one is going to be it's a three part story well the second one I'm going to be doing is a three part story so this episode might be a little bit longer than normal but who knows so, alright. So, this first story is called I Think I Encountered a Wendigo. And the user is user North Coast 10. And again, the story is called I Think I Encountered a Wendigo. My wife and I have been running the rat race for years with a family, a house, and with a, with a family, a house in the city, two dogs, a cat the stereotypical American dream. But the city took its toll, the neighborhood got worse, the crime rose, and we found ourselves looking for a way out. Our opportunity came when I was offered a new job out of state. It was a great career move, but we didn't want to move to a new city just to have the same problems again. So we started looking around and found a great mountain community about an hour and a half from the job, and a great ranch style home with a big back porch windows everywhere and a lot of property the backyard has a big grassy area and a creek that cuts the property in half then acres of woods beyond it's huge the house is more than twice the size of our house in the city it's all updated and has no neighbors within a mile it's a radical change from the life we lived in the city 
but best of all, it was less than half of what we were paying for our old house. The house was a foreclosure, and when we asked the listing agent about it, she simply said the old family had, had abandoned the property. We really didn't think anything of it. The first three months were uneventful with us, setting into our new life, the kids getting used to the new school and new friends, and most of all us getting used to the big house and property. But then the weather turned cold and things started getting weird on the property. It started with noises from the back property, things, were, things we chalked up to being in the woods. Then, the motion lights around the house started going off randomly. Once again, we just chalked it up to being in the woods. But last night, it all changed. Last night was the most terrifying night of my life. One of the dogs was at the back door whining and scratching. I assumed he needed to go to the bathroom, so I grabbed my flashlight and walked to the back door. Instantly, something fell off. The dog bolted for the back property, growling and snarling. It was a cold night, about 30 degrees, but the dog plunged straight into the creek and out the other bank, running off into the woods in the back of the property. Flashlight bouncing, I ran after him, calling his name. I got to the creek and maybe and made my way across the makeshift bridge, trying to desperately, trying desperately to follow him. I could hear the dog still growling and barking from somewhere up ahead, and I pushed further away from the safety of the house and deeper into the woods. That's when I heard it. A shriek I've never heard before in my life. It was a mix of a moaning and wail and metal on metal. It echoed through the trees and froze me in my tracks. My dog, my dog bounded its way back to me and cowered down behind me. I turned around and it could and could just make out the warm glow of the house behind me and the cold dark ahead of me. I swung my flashlight around wildly looking for the source of the noise, and that's when I heard an even more terrifying noise. Out of the cold silence, my wife's voice floated around me, Babe. The voice called out, I whipped back around, and I could just barely make out the image of my wife safely inside our house. The voice called out again. Babe, I'm right here, came the voice from deeper into the woods. Then came another voice, just as clear as the other. It was my dad's voice. Come out here, it called. I swung the flashlight around again, and this time caught the briefest glint of light bouncing off of eyes. The creature was in my beam of light for barely a second, but it was tall, maybe six feet and ashen white. It had a long spindly it had long spindly fingers that grasped the trunk of a pine tree and then it was gone. I turned back and ran towards the house. I ran heading into the icy creek and stumbled. My dog ran past me, making it back to the yard and up to the porch. I dug my hands into the freezing freezing muddy bank and pulled myself out, not stopping to look back. When I reached the porch, I scrambled inside. My wife ran over to me asking what had happened. I just shook my head. I'm not certain myself what happened. I had a growing sense of dread tonight. As the sun began to fall, we kept the dogs inside and I haven't dared to look out the back. 
but as I sit here typing one by one, my motion lights in the backyard keep going on. I can't upload it. So yeah, that was... I think I encountered a Wendigo. Very interesting story. Very cool. Very, very scary. Um... So these next, whoa, these ones are long ones. So yes, th this one might will most likely be a longer episode. Thank goodness. All right, so we got. I saw a Wendigo when I was twelve. That's part one. I saw a Wendigo when I was younger, part two, and I saw the Wendigo again yesterday, and that's part three. And these are all from the same user. Um, user King Delta Theridium. I don't know if I said the name right. Alright. So, let's do this. I saw a Wendigo when I was 12. I was about 12 years old when I saw a creature I never expected to be, biolo to be biologically possible. Before I start recalling this horrifying memory, I have to explain what I think I saw by telling a description of something really similar to it. The Wendigo is a creature from Native American folklore, usually resembling either a human with pointed teeth and dried blood covering its body, or a humanoid animal-like spirit with, de with a deer skull-like head. It feeds on humans due to it being a cannibal spirit. In 16... In 1659, there were reports of a humanoid creature with a skull-like head, killing some of the people who originally founded the America, founded America in the city of what is now New York. It eventually left, and what remained was an absolute blood bloodbath. The town I, li I live in refuses to talk about this occurrence, and most have forgotten about it, but not me. Anyway, I'll get on with the story. I was walking home with my parents after a long day at the zoo. It was midwinter, so there, so there was heavy snow all over the ground. I saw large footprints in the snow, shaped like those of a large bird. The only difference was the left toe was lifted off the ground. I pointed this out to my parents, but they said it was probably just some, someone in a dinosaur costume having a prank. A snowstorm broke out about uh, broke out 20 minutes after we set out and I said to my parents we should be moving this could be dangerous my parents agreed and we took shelter in, in a subway my dad eventually went out to see if it was safe we heard a low reptilian growl and the sound of bone snapping we ran further down the subway got into the train and jumped out at the next station which was very near our house we shut the door locked it and i went straight into my bedroom i shut the door and just in case i closed the blinds and barricaded the door only something supernaturally strong could push that right i was terribly wrong when i thought that when i thought that i heard the front door smashing open and my mother screaming whatever just attacked whatever just attacked my mom pushed my door open with ease. Then I realized I had made a stupid mistake. 
I had only used light objects to barricade the door. The creature in front of me had armor on its head, resembling a deer skull with a crack on its snout. Its yellow eyes with split pupils stared at me, and I stared back. Its fur was stained with blood, and I saw it holding an arm I recognized as my own father's. Ooh. <laughs> the creature's gray figure began to move towards me without thinking. I grabbed a box and I threw it at the creature. It fell backwards and I realized I hadn't had the upper hand. I took the curtain rail off the wall and charged at it. The creature charged at the creature. I kicked the box into its head, disorienting it temporarily. When it re regained full control of its body, I had already thrust the rail into its unbear underbelly. The creature growled in anger, but eventually went into what appeared to be a permanent state of unconsciousness. I ran downstairs to check on my mom. I was relieved when she turned out to be okay. We both went upstairs to check the creature, but it had vanished. So that's the story. I'm going to relax now and try to forget that incident. Mm, mm. Mm. So here's part two. Hi guys, it's me again. I just thought I'd say that after I recalled my encounter with the Wendigo, or at least a creature like it, I did not forget it again. I have been prepared since recalling it, and I now have some knives and a shotgun. I Also, I had been watching fighting videos to gain advice on how to fight back if this thing attacked again. Since the previous incident... I have been absolutely furious. You would be too, knowing that your father had been killed by a Wendigo. Anyways, on with the story. I was visiting a lo the local museum when this incident happened. As I walked by the massive Optoris that took center stage, I heard quiet clicking on the ground. This, this sounded like the claws of some sort of animal trip tapping against the ground. I thought nothing of it. I moved on to the large Shaunasaurus. As I gazed in awe, the 15 meter long sea at the 15 meter long sea reptile's bones, I saw something running in the corner of my eye. I looked around and saw a long furry tail vanishing around the corner. I thought I was hallucinating and continued. A group of people behind me stopped after the tapping began again. I realized I was not hallucinating this time. I got as high up as I could using my fake using a fake rock as a post to see what was going on. My heart sank as I saw a familiar creature un underbelly scarred from a deep wound staring at me. Unlike the the previous experience, it did not look thin at all. This meant the creature had recently eaten. The people slowly walked off, and their walking turned into a full-on sprint. It was just me facing off against the creature. It began to slowly walk towards me. I got a knife out of my backpack and prepared for a battle. The Wendigo charged, and I managed to 
bull and managed to bowl over me bowl me over i got up quickly i remembered the videos i had watched and as the creature came closer i performed a perfect uppercut on its chest it was thrust thrust up into the air and landed two meters away i walked towards the wounded creature and got out my blade i wanted to end this as quickly as i could i tried to lodge the blade into the in the creature's neck but it rolled out of the way motivated by pure rage i grabbed the wendigo and pulled it at its arm as hard as i could within a second its second arm was dislocated from its socket the creature yelped in pain and i prepared to plunge the blade into its chest suddenly i realized something i remembered that the wendigos could not be very easily killed with anything apart from fire i did not have anything like fire with me but at least i could try to knock it out the creature suddenly got up and grabbed me tossing me into the skeleton i got up and grabbed one of the fallen skull bones the creature had ran towards me and i quickly thrust the bone into its underbelly the creature recoiled falling backwards it got up slowly and shakily, clutching its wounds, wounded stomach, and ran as fast as it could. I had beaten the Wendigo yet again. Just as I was about to head to the museum cafeteria for a celebratory drink, I went unconscious. I, went, I woke up in an area I did not recognize, and I assumed it was a staff room. My suspicions were proven right when I saw a sign saying, Staff Kitchen, opposite where I was laying. I slowly got up and just as I did, my head started hurting badly. I put my hand to my forehead, and when I pulled it back, there was loads of blood on my head. I had been injured while being taken here. As I real realized that, I made the a realization, who or what had taken me into this place. I got on my feet and found it painful to walk. I slowly walked towards the staff exit, which felt like I was walking for over an hour. As I got to the exit, I heard a quiet, gro a quiet groaning behind me. It sounded like there was someone in absolute agony in the kitchen. I slowly limped over and saw a man with huge lacerations across his arm and face. As I walked over to him asking if he was okay, he stopped moving. He started moving again, only slightly pointing behind me with a horrified facial expression. I turned around and saw it. The Wendigo was staring me staring me down trying to figure out its next move it recoiled when i looked at it and jumped off the table it was standing on towards me i grabbed a rolling pin and limped as fast as i could towards the creature which leapt out of the way my leg was not hurting as much anymore so i began to run faster i hit the creature with the rolling pin and knocked it over the disoriented creature fell backwards and i decided something I was going to finish this once and for all. I hit the creature's head and almost knocked it out. I stood on its arms, rendering them functionless. As the creature screeched, I grabbed its jaws instead of ramming them shut and slamming it onto the ground. I wanted to give this thing a, real, a really painful death. I began to pull its jaws open. The reason I did it, I just wanted to do something King Kong related. After becoming a fan of the movie, I split the Wendigo's jaws and it fell backwards, seemingly dead. I helped the others out 
I helped the others out. This time, the Wendigo is definitely gone for good. I'm sure of it. If it's still alive, which I doubt it, it is, I will do whatever it takes to bring that motherfucker down, even if it kills me in the process. And remember, if you guys see this thing near you, either run or grab something and stab it to death. the comments this story hmm I will continue this story the with part three here now <sighs> yesterday I went into my local park to go looking for wildlife here in the United Kingdom we have some cool wildlife, including red and gray squirrels, pheasants, foxes, badgers, deer, dormice, and the like. I had often been here to see the graves of members of my family, as well as friends and their family. I also sometimes went to see some of the... aforementioned animals I could sometimes spot. I had been living near this park for around three years. I lived out lived about half a mile away along the so called zigzag lane. I saw some dogs playing outside with their owner. More specifically a Pomeranian and then the and a Yorkshire Terrier, or Yorkie, and a Shetland Sheepdog. I turned around and began to gaze at the gate. The sign said, um, Wallace, Wallace Cemetery, because as well as a park, there was a cemetery. I saw multiple gray squirrels as soon as I walked through the main gate. However, something struck me as different this time around. It felt like someone or something was watching me. I looked around and saw nothing. I shrugged it off as my imagination as my imagination, and I thought that my previous encounters with a creature known as the Wendigo had just made me paranoid. All I saw were three groups of people wandering through the cemetery, some of them mourning over graves. The leaves began to shake and the trees began to slowly bend, but there was something wrong with the wind. Something wrong. The wind was not causing this. There was no wind in the for first place. In the first place, one of the trees suddenly fell over on top of a grave. Grave someone was mourning at. Behind the tree, I saw a face that I ha had really hoped I'd never see again. The long, unmistakable snout. Large antlers, shaggy fur, long tail, and sharp teeth betrayed its 
identity as the Wendigo I had fought two times before. The creature slowly walked towards me, clutching what looked like a large branch in its jaws. A... Shinosaurus bone was from when I last encountered it was still jammed in its stomach. The creature bellowed and began to run towards me. I grabbed a large branch with a pointed straight end and began to run towards it. The creature hurled the branch at me, but I dodged. But I dodged. I ran at it and tried to jam the branch into its chest. However, with one bite, it split it directly in two. It began growling, growling, chest bleeding from the small wound I had managed to make. This time, its eyes were full of sheer malice. It wanted to kill me, and only me, and I knew it. However, somebody saw the fight, and luckily they had a shotgun. During mid-fight, I saw a large stick fly through the Wendigo's ant antler. It turned around, pushing me onto the ground to see where it had come from. As soon as it did, so as soon as it did, so the man shot shot it again. This time, hitting its snout. Fragments of bone flew as the ar armor um, partially cracked. It didn't even flinch, though. It began to walk towards the man who backed up against the gravestone. I got up and ran towards the creature, holding one of the branch fragments. As it was about to bite the man's arm off, I grabbed the Wendigo from behind and began to stab its back. Its back. It rounded and roared in pain and grabbed me, throwing me onto the ground. This was just enough time for the man to get back up and spear it in the heart from next to it. Sorry about that, my dad just got home. Uh, where was I? Enough time for the man to get back up and spear it in the heart from next to it. Clutching the wound, the Wendigo began to let out multiple shrieks of pain, then slumped over. I drove the branch through its brain to make sure it was dead. You okay, the man asked. Yeah, I replied. My name's Cliff. You? He said, mine, mine is Jackson. I replied. Okay, he replied. Me and the man are now best friends. Every time we meet up with other friends and they ask about the most horrifying thing that has ever happened to us we both recall the same story however last night something happened i saw the wendigo again it was somehow barely alive hell it still knew where i lived as it turned out as it turned out when i woke up a few minutes ago i saw multiple large wounds on my chest arms legs and head. I know because my hands had blood on them after I touched my forehead and the Wendigo's corpse face down next to my bed. Uh, I'm telling this to you now because these wounds will probably leave me in the hospital. 
the operation I will need will give will need will give me temporary amnesia. After I regain my memory, I will have forgotten everything that happened within the past year. Also, also the main reason is that I'm not sure how many Wendigos are out there. The one I encountered could either be the last one or part of a small or even large population. If so, be ready. You can never tell when they could attack attack you. If or when they do, make sure you have plenty of weapons at your disposal. You'll need them to take down any of these things. If there are, there are more than one, you're doomed. Please he heed my warning. There could be tons of these things out there. They rarely, they nearly, they're nearly impossible to kill if you ever encounter one. All I can say is that I pity you. This creature, no, species is dangerous. They are utterly dangerous. As I wrote the la that last paragraph, I noticed that the Wendigo's body was twitching as if it was waking up. I might not even survive much longer. If this thing wakes up, it'll probably try to kill me on the spot. If you hear growling behind you, run. If you hear screaming, run over to help. But if the attacker has gray and brown shaggy fur, antlers, a skull-like armored head, long claws, one toe on each foot raised off the ground, and a long shaggy tail, just run. You can't do anything to help them anyway. Okay, I'm not sure if this person is from England or New York because I believe in the first story yeah yeah and then in the last one um, was the United Kingdom interesting um, alright this technical fifth story is just called Windigo and it is by user Zufagos I don't know how to pronounce the names I'm sorry uh, okay Windigo I debated sharing this story for a while the people who would have got angry if I did are mostly dead now but uh, though I don't think it's going to be popular enough for the rest of them to find it anyway so here it goes when I was a kid I grew up in this small town in South Dakota called Clearwater it's not the scenic parts of South Dakota but on the Great Plains. There's nothing but flat, treeless grassland for miles. Clearwater had maybe just over a thousand residents, just barely big enough to have a McDonald's. Ooh, that's rough. Being a rural town, there's nothing to do in Clearwater. But it was used it but it used to have a state park that has since been permanently decommissioned. 
I say that in quotes because Lake Clearwater Park was barely bigger than 100 acres and didn't consist of much more than a tornado shelter, a dock, an outhouse, and some picnic tables. The lake is where all this shit went down. Most rural areas are full of legends and ghost stories, and Clearwater wasn't any ex- exception. Every abandoned farmhouse is haunted, every light in the sky is aliens, but the most pop- popular local legend was that of the Wendigo. We white kids didn't really hang out on the res and only had a secondhand knowledge of what an actual Wendigo is, but we took the name because it sounded cool. The Wendigo shtick was that it could perfectly mimic any sound or voice it wanted and no, and would use it to lure victims to their deaths. Nobody ever actually claimed to have seen it, and we had no idea what it could possibly look like. But anyone who spent too much time outside alone would eventually come back with a story about how they totally heard it. There wasn't a lot of tree cover near Clearwater save for the small but dense forest surrounding the lake. After the state decommissioned the park, they even hauled the sand away from the beach. Can you... Wow. It became a prime candidate for Wendigo, for the Wendigo's layer. The rumor was that the state shut the park down after the Wendigo presented to be... pretended to be a crying kitten and lured two small children to the dock and pulled them in and drowned them. There was, There is a memorial plaque near the dock for the two children who, die, who did die there. So that part is true, but it's more likely that it was a tragic accident in my opinion. I can only imagine what their parents felt like after their babies got turned into some bullcrap ghost story. It's probably not bullcrap, man. But who knows? The park had been closed for a decade. I was going to high school at Clearwater High. And I had a little friend group made up of Jamie, her boyfriend Gabe, and Gabe's younger brother Noah. Out of these, me, Jamie, me and Jamie are still alive. But Jamie has been in and out of hospitals for multiple suicide attempts she hasn't spoken to me in in years i'm kind of afraid to reach out to her because i think bringing back the old memories will only make her worse anyway there was a day in july in july we just could not decide what to do there's only so many times you can drive to silex falls for the weekend before it gets boring Gabe gets the idea that we should go down to Lake Clearwater to explore the old park. We knew it was a hot spot for older teenagers to go make out or drink or smoke weed, so it's not like it was completely uncharted territory. So we piled into Gabe's dad's crappy little Buick and began the hour trek. As soon soon as we turn off onto the gravel road leading to the park, the radio quit. This is hardly scary, even if you know 
the legends about the lake, so we made a big show of ooing over it. We messed with it a little, but got only static. We eventually parked and got out. The place wasn't really maintained, so it was full of weeds and thorns and tall grass. The rotten dock bobbed listlessly on the shiny water. It had been more or less completely taken over by grasshoppers and mosquitoes, but it was beautiful then, almost peaceful, slowly reclaimed by nature. Next to the lake, there was a concrete spillway. It's basically just a big concrete hole dug dug next to the lake that the water is supposed to go in if it floods. There is a ramp leading from the lake to the concrete reservoir. reservoir. The bottom of the reservoir is so full of dirt that trees and shrubs are growing in the bottom. We decided this overgrown spillway is the den of the Wendigo and started daring each other to go peek down into it. Jamie decided to go first. The ramp was covered in graffiti and full of cigarette butts, so it was obviously well used and not dangerous. She went down this ramp and peered over the edge into the reservoir, maybe 25 feet deep. I remember asking her something like, see something you like? And she looked at us and was just, don't you guys hear that? So we listened. We could hear it too. Deep inside the reservoir, we could hear the quiet but obvious sound of a radio playing in the bushes. We all climbed over the edge to look down, anxious to get a look at the famous Wendigo that terrorized the town. I remember telling Jamie she needed to go see what it was, and she turned to me all screw that and then the radio quit right when Jamie said right when Jamie said it we all climbed out laughing that the Wendigo couldn't fool us and happy to have a story to tell the spillway was covered in junk from other explorers so of course it wasn't a huge stretch of of the imagination to imagine someone sunbathing there who accidentally kicked their battery operated radio down the ramp and couldn't get it back just leaving it to play till it died i still can't help but think we were really stupid to have taken it seriously not to have taken it seriously we had our story and if we left it left there it would have been okay we all would have just had a stupid little blip to add to the local legends. And we could talk about it at school for a while and life would have been just fine. But we didn't leave it there. We wanted to go see the tornado shelter before we left. It was scary even when the place was open. It had to be the ultimate test of metal now. We were walking to the shelter when we realized that after the radio incident, the whole place had just gone quiet, like no bugs or flies or wind. It was like a big, wet, hot blanket just got dropped on the whole park. We wouldn't be around for long, but we just had to see it. The shelter was made up was made up of small co- 
a small concrete building that was basically a staircase leading to a tiny underground bunker. The whole thing was covered in pink and black spray paint with a crude monster drawing on the door. Noah opened the door and stuck his head in and then turned away from it with a with it from it with and gagged the inside of the thing absolutely reeked even even if you've never encountered it before there's something instinctive about that death smell you know exactly what it is right away jamie and i looked at each other and loudly announced that we weren't going down there noah started closing the door when it we heard it it was a crying baby it was coming from inside the tornado shelter. I remember the hair on my neck bristling, and I felt so cold, even though it was a hot day. Me and Noah and Jamie looked at each other silently in shock. Gabe, though, he was the rational one, the brave one, the one who would have saved a baby, the one to say, oh my god, don't you guys hear that? I remember Jamie's voice shaking when she told him, Gabe, no, please no. But down the stairs he went. He was such a good guy. Such a brave guy. He disappeared down those steps, and the crying stopped. We waited for him to come out or say something, but the deep shadows beyond the doorway were silent. Noah opened the door and peered in as far as he could. Stand from the smell and started yelling for Gabe down the stairs, but there was still no answer. We were freaking out. We had no idea what to do. We couldn't even go for help because Gabe had the goddamn keys. We decided that we all went down together. Maybe we had a f fighting chance. Strength in numbers. We had to help Gabe. Noah pulled out his Zippo lighter and led the charge into the sh shelter. I felt something fall and hit me like drops of water. It wasn't water. It was maggots. Hundreds of them were crawling in the walls. The remains of animals covered the floor, the wall. The walls had been friggin' fastened, fastened in streams of red organs. <laughs> like party favors. Jamie started puking. The last thing I remember right before it all went black was the sound of a crying baby suddenly right behind me. I woke up in a field a few miles away from the park. I was filthy and dehydrated, but unharmed. I walked to the nearest road and flagged down a passing pickup. The old man in the driver's seat seemed shocked to see me and took me to the police station. My mom showed up later crying and hugged me so tight I almost couldn't breathe. Nobody could tell me what happened except for this much. Gabe was dead. No one Jamie were still missing. I have no idea how I got out there. Maybe I ran until I passed out and repressed what happened. Or maybe Jamie pulled me out. Maybe that freaking thing wasn't hungry anymore. I'd been missing for nearly 48 hours. All I remember is waking up in a ditch. I never saw it. Jamie was found wandering by the highway a few hours later. Noah or his body were ne was never found. 
The police refused to issue, issue any public statements as to what killed Gabe, except for that the official cause of death was homicidal violence. I was not allowed to attend the funeral. His parents blamed me and Jamie. I don't hold any grudges towards them. They lost two sons. But I was told that whatever damage there was, it was bad enough for Gabe not to have been not to have an open casket. I moved away shortly therefore. Thereafter, I mean, there was nothing left for me in that town. Jamie had turned to hard drugs and self-harm and was sent away, and the rest of the school only viewed me as entertainment by then. I went to live with my cousins in Sioux Falls. I had thought about Clearwater again until I hadn't thought about Clearwater again until recently. Honestly, the whole thing had me pretty me messed up. I went back to visit my parents for the first time in a decade and had made up my mind that I wanted to kill myself. Before doing the deed, though, I wanted to go back one more time just to see if I could get anything resembling answers. I had nothing to lose, after all. The old gravel, gravel road was still closed. The sign blocking the road has dented and faded, but the road beyond is full of grass and holes and is slowly becoming, being reclaimed by the earth. The one thing between clear water and that, and that frickin' monster is a road closed sign. I pulled up to the sign and looked past it to the trees that slowly, slowly got thicker in the distance. Then my radio quit. I looked down at it and felt silent. The silence settle. I had pulled into reverse, turned around, and got the heck out of there, out of Clearwater for the second time. I haven't returned since. Man. Now. Wow. Now that one, that one was sad. I wasn't expecting it to go there. I thought they were going to find Gabe. They were all going to get out, but... Man. Wow. That's all I can say about that story. And I don't really do commentary after I read the story, but I feel like that one, I have to do commentary on it. Because it is intriguing. It is scary. Like, I was, I was tense that whole time. So, huh. All right, so this last story is called My Neighbor Wendigo, and it is by user Miraculous Mama. You never really believe in something until you see it, and when you do, you'd wish that you hadn't. Sometimes not knowing is better. The things this world holds, the monsters that hide in the dark, I'm forever haunted. I never had a problem uh, being in the woods. I pretty much lived I pretty much lived in them as a child. Climbing trees and swimming in random creeks were what I thrived on were what I thrived on. 
catching tadpoles, frogs, snakes, and any wildlife possible. I loved it. My fiance and I moved in moved to a tiny mountain town in North Carolina with his parents. They lived at almost the very top of mount of a mountain. If it snowed and you don't plow the driveway, it will ice and you will be stuck. For the most part, things were normal, well as normal as they can be with a witch for a boy boyfriend. Ghosts and a random demon or dark entity were pretty common in our house. Still are. Can't relate. It's a part of that. Later. So, as I'm standing outside on the porch smoking a cigarette, I'm not too alarmed to feel a weird presence. As it stands... The backyard sits right on the edge of, well, the forest. So we spent much of our free time tracking animals and carcasses and ingredient in, ingredients. We both enjoyed the nature and recharged being there. Late at night, you have to stay vigilant for the various mountain critters that will attack. Cougars, bears, and coyotes, the main threat. I stood on the porch, glancing around in the trees, keeping my eyes peeled for the first sign of danger. First, I hear the whispers like someone trying to get my attention. For the most part, I ignore it. Then I hear a tree branch rustle. I rationalize, okay, about 10 feet off the ground, it's either a bird, raccoon, or the like. How very wrong I was. The longer I stare, the more obvious the shape becomes. I can see the giant antlers, at least ten points. And if, and face, oh god, that face. An elongated snout like a deer, only rotted to the bone with these patches of still rotting flesh. Empty sockets for eyes that stared into your soul and chilled you to the bone. Nothing good seen with those eyes. The head sat on an also still rotting torso, with broken ribs jutting out in every direction, giving the thought to a stabbing victim. Its organs that looked ready to spill out and the stench that was un that unbearable stench of death and madness. I was stuck frozen with terror. I shook and only watched this thing as it watched me. It only took me seconds to realize that the whispering was this, was this thing trying to speak to me, concur, coerce me to come to it. It asked me to walk towards it, let it devour me. It walked towards me on shaky, weak-looking deer legs, all four feet moving carefully and without sound. Before I was able to, before, there, 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 before I was able to blink, it had an arm stretched out in front of me, long, jagged claws for tearing flesh. Sinly 
muscles contracting under rotten meat. It is 20 feet away from me, but it seems like those fingers are centimeters from me. I can feel the wind move. It brushed my cheek. This startled me into backing in, up into the door, only to have the porch light cut off and the door locked. All I can do is scream. I called for my fiancé, but I can hear him laughing behind the door, not knowing what was going on, trying to scare me. I tell him there's something out here trying to get me. The fear genuine. He swings open the door to yank me behind him while he looks around. There was nothing there. The thing vanished. He asked me what I saw, and all I could muster was Wendigo. I thought he'd given himself whiplash without, with how fast he spun around. He knows the word and the creature well. Native American folklore advises that you stay away from them. Never speak to them, and most important, never turn your back. I've only recently told him the details of what I saw. The thing that haunts my nightmares and made me so afraid of the dark, I can't be alone. I have never felt terror so heart-wrenching and chilling before. I felt a piece of me died and sucked into the mo that monster's endless abyss for eyes. I never want to see that awful face again. I only thought that here was an appropriate place to share my story. So that was... Oh, I forgot the name. My Neighbor Wendigo. So, alright. So that is going to be it for this week, guys. Um, once again, this is Spooky Hours. The